Glad you're here. Glad you made the effort to be here tonight. We're going to resume our study, How-Tos on the Highway to Heaven. We've had a couple of weeks in, in gap of, of, of missing, but we're glad to be back tonight. If you would like a copy of the book, you won't need it for the study right now, but on the way out, there's some of them uh, at the Welcome Center. You can grab a copy on your way out. Every week is recorded and posted on Facebook, so if, if you miss one of the weeks or if you want to tell somebody about it, they can find it there on Facebook. The point of the study is uh, talking about living between the place that we put our faith in Jesus Christ and then the eventual event when we spend eternity with Christ in heaven. And so really the stretch of our lives, the course of our lives from the point that we trust Christ until we spend eternity in heaven. Uh, Sometimes we think uh, the Christian faith is about getting saved, putting your trust in Christ, and we see that as the finish line. Well, somebody's done that. Well, they're okay, and then we go back to living. That is actually the first step in our Christian walk. Yes, we uh, trust Christ and we put our faith in Christ, but that is when our life, our walk with Christ begins. And how we live in that stretch actually is vastly important. Uh, a very quick review, and I, I want to say this again tonight with, with the gap that we've had, but I really want to say it every week. It's a good thing for us to hear. It's a good thing for our youth to hear, and that is this. The reason behind the Bible study is this. God's Word is truth. Be sure of that. God's Word is truth. In a world where the truth is, is having a hard time being narrowed down, where the truth is seen as evolving or changing, we as believers believe that God's Word is truth. God's Word, if you read it, tells us of our Creator God. We talk about this every single week. That is why there is such an attack on creation. Well, He is the Creator God. That is the truth we hold as followers of Christ. And because He is the God of creation, He holds the wisdom behind creation. Now, think about that for a second. As the Creator of you or anything, He's the Creator of everything, but as the Creator he knows why he created you. He knows what your purpose is. He knows how he created you, and so therefore he knows the best way for you to operate. So because God's word is truth, it reveals to us God is the God of creation. Because he is the God of creation, he holds the wisdom behind creation. And because of that, if we want wisdom in life, if we want guidance in life, then we go to God. Sometimes we think, well, we trust him in the religious areas, but you know what? When it comes to my home or it comes to my finances or some other area, I'll go to some other expert. Well, we as Christians go to God. We trust God because he holds the wisdom behind all creation. That's in all areas of life. And I'll just tell you, across our study, we're going to see some very relevant things but your marriage, your marriage operates best according to the, the direction of God. Your home, your finances, all the problems that we experience. God is our expert and our specialist. Now, uh, we need to believe that. We need to be sure of that, but especially our young people. You need to understand God's word is truth. Where are we going to go? We're going to turn to God's word. Experts are going to come along and say, well, you know what, today we're not sure what gender is. Well, we're not sure what the definition of a marriage is. And you need to be very quick to say, well, we are going to go to the Word of God, the Bible, because it is truth. Now, let me give you a very quick review. The first week we talked about uh, the Holy Spirit. He is our enablement, our empowerment to live as a believer. You cannot live as a believer apart from the enablement of the Holy Spirit of God. 
Now, the next week we talked about God's Word, as we just talked about, is our map. God's Word is our guide. We are led by the Word of God. Last week, last time we met a couple weeks ago, we looked at a very interesting topic, and that is the topic of guilt. And we saw that as believers, we look forward, and it's like a windshield. We look forward. Now, we do have a rearview mirror to look back, and the past helps remind us where we've come from. It helps to remind us of God's grace. It helps remind us of where we never want to return to. But you know what? Our sin, our shame, our guilt is finished in the cross of Calvary. And so as believers, we are a forward-looking people. And so we talked about that the last time we, we met. Well, tonight, we're going to talk about a very relevant, uh, timely topic, and that is the topic of worry. And I think about the last year, uh, the last few months, the election cycle, this big giant snowstorm we just had, uh, we're going to talk about this subject of worry. Now, let me ask a question. Now, I'm going to ask that you would show your hand. Um, here's the question. Do you struggle with, have you ever struggled with worry at some point in your life or maybe now? Has worry ever been an issue for you? If you'll agree with that, I'm going to ask that you'd raise your hand. That's everybody. That's really everybody. I didn't see anybody say, well, I'm not worried. Uh, we worry. We, we struggle with worry. We, we found this statistic today, and I thought this was pretty shocking. Today, the Center for Disease Control, and I don't know how much you can believe what they say this year, uh, but they say this, over 4 million kids between the age of 3 and 17 are dealing with worry. Three, four. I, I'm thinking about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at four. Um, 12, 16, 17. Over four million kids, according to their study, are, are, are having an issue with worry. Listen to this. To the point that it borderlines on mental illness could issue or lead into mental illness. Those are our kids. And so we're going to talk about a very re relevant thing tonight, a very timely thing, the issue of worry. Now, there's a section of verses that I'm going to read. It's from Christ himself, from Jesus himself, his Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to read that section of verses, and then we're going to come back and, and pull our stuff out of that. I, tonight, I'm in Matthew chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is speaking. I'm going to start in verse 24, and I'm going to read down to verse 34. Now, here's what, here's what God's Word says. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worthy much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you, not even Solomon, in all his glory, clothed himself like one of those, these, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, 
which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly, eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Verse 34, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. All right, we're going we're to break this down, and we're going to pull our Bible study tonight on worry out of this section of verses. The first thing we're going to see tonight is really this is a matter of perspective. And we're going to see that traveling all the way through our Bible study tonight. It is a matter of perspective, the lens that we're looking through. Now, here's the reality. Life is hard. Life is hard. The road that we're traveling between the point that we put our faith in Christ and the time that we're with Christ in eternity, uh, the Bible tells us it is hard. The Bible says you can expect troubles. The Bible says you can experience trials. The Bible says we must endure in those days. We must press on in those days. Life is hard. Now, there is a um, misteaching today that if you've trusted Christ, life is somehow magically better, and your wealth gets better, and your health gets better, and all these things are secured in Christ, and that is a false teaching. The, the, the truth of the Bible, the perspective of the Bible is life is hard. There are hard things in life. All right, I'm going to just ask, and you can just holler out. We'll go one at a time. I'll ask that you would be loud, but I want you to, to just holler out some of the hard things of life. Anybody can start. Parenting. Health. Missing somebody you love. Hard things of life. Mental illness. Money. I'm glad you said that because we don't have any trouble with money. <laughs> Anybody else? Hard things of life. Divorce, addiction, raising kids, um, work, relationships, neighbors. Uh, just go down the deal. Sickness, bad diagnosis, death, um, right? You know, just all these things. You just can go down the list. Life is filled with hard things. We'd be nuts to say, you know what? Life doesn't include hard things. And so the teaching of Scripture and the experience of life confirming that is Life is hard, yet I want you to see this. It is hard, yet for believers, here's what the Bible says, it is to be joyous. And so, yes, from the time we put our faith in Christ until we're with Christ in eternity, life is hard. There are troubles. There are things that spring up. Yet for believers, it is to be joyous. It is to be joy-filled. The Bible says part of the, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. And so one of the things we are as believers, we're joyful. Here, here's a pretty profound thing to think about. 
the road that we're on as believers is to be different from the road that we left behind. And so, you know, we put our faith in Christ. Remember, we turn from our sin. We turn to Christ. We got off of the broad way. We're on the narrow way. That road that we're traveling is to be different from the road that we left behind. The road that we left behind, let me tell you what's on that road. There is worry on that road. There is strife on that road. There is jealousy on that road. There is drama and chaos on that road. There's anxiety on that road. Well, you know what? If we've turned to Christ, our road should look different than the road that we left. Yes, there are troubles, but you know what? We are to be filled with joy in the, in the days that we're walking through. Hey, when we get to heaven, it's going to be tremendous. But the Bible says we are to live in joy, walk in joy in these days. Here's a profound thing. The road that we're walking on as followers of Christ is to be different from the road that we left. Our life should look differently. Here's a good question. So do they? Do our lives look differently? Different? Uh, do, we, do, we, do we have the same perspective as a lost world has? And I think about the last year. Think about how we've responded. Think about how we've moved forward. Has our responses looked a lot like the world that's lost around us, or have we responded in a different manner? Our lives, our roads are to look different than the road that we left. The question is, do they look different? Could someone say how they respond, how they act, how they live, that must be a follower of Jesus Christ? All right, that's the first thing. We ought to be different. We're to be marked by joy as followers of Christ. All right, here's a fact, and I, I found this about 10 years ago. It's a, it's a fact of life. It goes all the way through really every piece of life, but it's called the law of atrophy, the law of atrophy. It holds true in all areas. Now, what the law of atrophy states is this. Left alone, we return, we tend to return to our original condition. And that's in all things. Left alone, we tend to return to our original condition, which means this. If you take a car and you push it and get it going however fast, 12 miles an hour, and then you stop pushing, you know what? It returns to its original position. If you were to go out and get in your car and go whip up a bunch of donuts and you're swinging it around, you're swinging around and dirt's blowing all up in the air and you stop, guess what happens? that dust settles back down. If you stir up sweet tea and you put your sugar in there and you stir it up and you stir it up, as fast as you quit stirring it, what happens? It gravitates back to its natural state. The law of atrophy says we gravitate, we move toward our original state if we are left alone. Well, I want you to think about this area, the area that we're talking about tonight. When we put our faith in Christ, we start in joy. You've been forgiven of your sins. You've been restored. You're made new in Christ. We start with a peace that's established in the finished work of Christ. There is a gladness when you put your trust in Christ. We serve a risen Savior. Praise the Lord. We start in joy. But if we're not deliberate, what happens? We start to gravitate back to the condition that we started in. And that's for a follower of Jesus Christ as well. You know what? We started in joy and we started in gladness and we had the peace of Christ. But you know what? If we're not deliberate, deliberate in the attempt, 
we start to head back to worry and anxiety and stress and all the things that mark the road that we were on, we naturally start to gravitate that way. All right, so let's look at some things now about worry. First thing we're going to see tonight is the truth about worry. And we need to iron this out so we're sure what we're talking about, the truth about worry. Now, let me tell you some points about worry. The first thing is this, worry has no benefit. Worry changes nothing. Worry is a profitless endeavor. There's, there's nothing you can do in worry. There's nothing made better in worry. There is no benefit in worry. Verse 27 says this, and who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life? Listen, that's Christ. And who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life? Worry produces nothing. Sometimes I think, well, by worrying, maybe I get myself in gear. Or by worrying, maybe I scramble to go find an answer. Worry in and of itself produces nothing. Look at this word anxious or worried in verse 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. That word, if you look it up, the original language, the Greek word, listen to this, means distracted. Now, it's more than that. It means divided. Focusing, here's the most literal translation. Focusing on the part instead of the whole. Now, that's, that's the Greek word. That's the word that God has chosen to reveal this, this verse in. Focusing on the part instead of the whole. Now, think about that. If, if I were to hit my thumb with a hammer, and if I were to come up and say, look at my thumb, and look at my thumb, and look at my thumb, and I don't know if I'm going to make it, look at my thumb. And you say, well, how's, I don't know, look at my thumb. Well, what about, I don't know, look at my thumb. Well, we haven't Bible study tonight, I don't know, I hit my thumb. If I were inordinately consumed with my thumb, I'm neglecting the whole. I'm neglecting the body. Well, this word for worry means to get sidetracked, to get divided from the truth. Here's the truth, and you're so worried about this thing, you've forgotten the truth. You're so distracted with this thing, you've forgotten the whole. And so that's, that's the very definition of it. You have divided things, and you're so focused on this thing, you've forgotten the truth of the whole thing. First thing is this, worry has no benefit. Second thing, and these two next two, uh, we're not going to like them, and I think the secular world's going to hate them, but I'll just tell them to you anyway. Second thing is this. Worry is our creation. Well, man, that starts to sound like my fault. Worry is our creation. Worry exists, listen to this, because we allow it to exist. We entertain worry. Now, I want you to see in the, in the verses here talk about troubles. Troubles exist and are real. We're not dumb. We're not saying every day is Friday, no problem. You're not going to have any trouble. Troubles exist, but worries are not troubles. Troubles exist. We're going to have to address troubles. We're going to have to work through troubles, but worries we allow. And so if you find yourself and you're worrying, you know what, I, I don't know how we're going to get this done. I don't know if I'm going to do this. I don't know if I can get this 
and you're sitting there consumed in worry, it is because you have allowed it. And so here's the question. If you're found in worry, whose doing is that? Well, it's the world's. No, it is your doing. If you find yourself in worry, who is responsible for that? Now, that's a hard truth, but it's going to help us find the answer. Worry is our creation. Worry exists because we allow it to exist, and we entertain worry. Worries are our responsibility. All right. Now, the reason that's important is because it leads to this next point, and that is, that is this. Third, to worry is a sin. Ah, that's hard. So worry is my responsibility. If I'm worrying, I'm responsible for that worry. And to worry is a sin. Listen to verses 31 and 32. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all those things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. The word there for Gentile, Jesus says, the Gentiles are consumed with that. The Gentiles are worried about that. The word for Gentile here, in the context, what Jesus is saying is the lost world, those that do not know about God. The lost world, they worry about those things. To worry, that's an that's a attribute of the lost world, not somebody that is part of God's people. It is a command. Listen to this. Verse 25 says, do not be worried, Jesus speaking. Verse 31 says, do not worry then, Jesus speaking. Verse 34 says, so do not worry. It is a command. It is a mark of the lost world, what those that do not know Christ, what they do. And so to worry is a sin. You know what? Troubles are real. Life is hard. Worry, if you find yourself in it, you're responsible for it. And to worry is a sin. Let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer out loud. Just think about it. Do we actually think worry is a sin? Has anybody ever said, Lord, forgive me for this and forgive me for lying and forgive me for this and, and for cheating on my taxes and, and stealing from United the other day and forgive me for worry? You ever said, God, Lord, forgive me for worrying? I think we come and say, Lord, I'm worried. I, I got worries. Wor to worry is a sin. And then do you actually think that? I think we would get a little bit more aggressive in how we handle our worries if we actually thought, you know what, the teaching of Scripture is to worry is a sin. Now, here's, here's a weird thing that's happened in our day. In a weird way today, we have started to celebrate worry. And let me explain that. We have actually started to celebrate worry. It is a sign that you're doing lots of things if you're worried. It is a sign that you're doing important things if you're worried. It's a sign that you care if you're worried. And so you find somebody and they say, man, I got kids to pick up and this to deal and bills to pay and this to that and this to that, and I'm so worried. And what's your instinct? That's what you're worried about? I got a this and a that and a house and a this and a that. And you say, I'm worried. And you go, you guys, those are lightweight worries. I'm going to launch rockets and this and that and this and the other. And worry becomes a piece of status. You know what? I'm on two medications because I worry. I don't sleep at night. I'm so worried. And we start to have a status symbol in how much we worry. I'm important because I'm worried. Our culture celebrates it. 
You know what the Bible says? To worry is a sin. All right, so moving through our study. So what is worry? What causes worry? Trouble, they're real. Troubles are real. To worry is a reflection on what you've allowed, you've entertained it, and to worry is a sin. So what causes worry? Now, here's the deal. The reason it is a sin is because it is a lack of trust in God. Man, this is a hard lesson. To worry is a lack of trust in God. It is to live not trusting God. And so here you are, you're consumed in worry. It is to actually be living, not trusting God. Well, I'm going to do something here, and I think it's just going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I want us to think about some truths about God. Truths about God. Audie Goodman, will you help me out? She just woke up. No, will you help me out? This, this cup of candy is yours for helping me out. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to write on this board. How's your spelling? It's terrible. Okay. <laughs> it's better than mine, I promise, both of them. All right. Some truths about God. Here we sit, the God that we follow, the God that we know, the God that Scripture's revealed to us. I want you to holler out one at a time some truths about God. Anybody can go. He is faithful. Anybody else? Loving. He is loving. We'll go slow so you can keep up. No, you're right. You're perfect. You're perfect. Forgiving. They don't know how to spell, so you're all right. <laughs> it's like on Sunday, if I just say a word, they think it's right, but it's no clue. Anybody else? What is God? All-knowing. All-present. I'm the present. Present everywhere. Anybody else? Grace and mercy. You're doing good. Anybody else? What is God? He is just. Always does the right thing, right? He's just. He's righteous. That's mine. He's righteous. Anybody else? What is, who, what is God? Powerful. powerful. So he can do what he needs to do. He can do everything. He is powerful. Anybody else? What is God? Provider. provider. He is our provider. You're doing great. She says it wasn't worth that candy. <laughs> Anybody else? He's in, uh, he's in everything. Great I am. Here's one that I like. He, yes, he's trustworthy. Yes, he's faithful. He is infinitely wise, which means he knows what needs to happen when it needs to happen. Ooh, because I'm like, this needs to happen right now. Well, guess what? Our God is infinitely wise. You can just put wise big. <laughs> he, is, he is infinitely wise. Anybody else? What is our God? Truths about God. 
He's the beginning and the end. He is eternal. Outside of time, eternal. He is kind to dummies. That's mine. He is kind to sinners. He's with us all the time. Doesn't leave us, never forsakes us. He's with us. Slow to anger, patient. Slow to anger. Anybody else know the truth about God? He's our Savior. All right, we can keep going. That's good enough. Good job. You're perfect. You're perfect. I had her do that, so I wouldn't be embarrassed. All right, so think about that. The reason that worry is a sin is because it is a lack of trust in God. Now, these are the things we believe, and I can tell you, he is faithful, he is loving, he's forgiving, he's all-knowing, he's all-present, he is gracious, his compassions are new every morning, he's infinite in his wisdom, he is all-powerful. We could go down that list, he is all of those things. And so I want you to think about this. So when we are saying we do not trust him, when when we're consumed in worry, we are actually denying these truths about God, and I, we need to see that. So when you're in worry, you're saying, well, maybe you're not infinitely wise. Maybe you're not powerful enough to do what it is that you say needs to happen because you're infinitely wise. Maybe you're not gracious to me. Maybe you're not kind. Maybe you're mean. Maybe you're not righteous. Maybe you're going to do the wrong thing. All of these things. When you're walking in worry, you're denying these truths about God. It is actually living as an atheist. Now, we come to church. We've got Bibles. We've, we've trusted him. We've been baptized to show the world what we believe. But it's actually to say, I do not trust that he is these things. It's to be a practical atheist to live in worry. We are denying these truths about God when we're consumed in worry. That's why it's a sin. If I were to come up and say, is your God faithful? And you were to say, no. That's a sin. You're lying about God. You're misrepresenting God. Is your God gracious? No. We are denying those truths of God when we're walking in worry. That is why it is a sin. It is a big deal. Now, think about this. The last time we talked, we were talking about guilt, and we saw if you're going to keep stewing in your past, if you're going to keep carrying around the guilt and the shame of your past, What you're actually doing is denying the grace of God and the power of God to forgive sin. And so, you know what, if if you're found and you're saying, I can't get past my sin and I'm stewing in my sin and I'm worried about the shame of my sin, I'm standing underneath that weight, you're saying that God is not gracious and he's not powerful to save from sin. Well, it comes back to this week, to walk and to worry is to deny the truth of who God is. That's why it is a sin. That is why Christians ought not participate in worry. All right, so what do we do? It's pretty clear here. We don't want to be found in worry. Life is hard. There is trouble in life. It is a sin. I don't want to deny the truth of God. So what do we do to not be consumed and found in worry? Biggest part of the lesson, what do we do? First thing we do is this. 
we remember who God is. We remember who God is. Remember when we went to the start and said, worry is a matter of perspective? Well, you know what? Getting out of worry also is a matter of perspective. You have to remember God is faithful. He is powerful. He is our provider. He is eternal. He is kind. He is our Savior. You have to remember who God is. When you're found in worry, you've forgotten who he is. Now, let me tell you how you remember who God is. The first thing and the big thing and the main thing is this, time spent in God's word. Time spent in God's word. And I say that so much people are going to say, you know what, I'm sick of hearing that answer. You know what? You forget who God is unless you're spending time reading in his word. You know what? If you find somebody freaked out and worry, I think you're going to find that that's proportionate to the amount of time they're not spending consistently in God's word. How do you remember who God is? You spend time in his word. You read his word. You hear sermons. You study his word. That's the first thing. Why are we such a fearful world today, fearful society? Because we're not spending much time in God's word. We have to spend time in God's word. Now, there's some other ways that we're, we remember who God is. And, and another way is time spent in fellowship with believers. Now, in our men's lunch, I used to say it all the time, we, as much as we don't want to be, we still have a pack mentality. We like to think, I'm an individual and I do my own thing and I'll answer for me. But by human nature, we still travel in a pack mentality. And so here's the deal. We remember who God is by spending time with like-minded followers of Jesus Christ. What that means in practicality is I need to be around people that say, God is faithful. And I come in and say, I don't know how we're gonna make it and I don't know how this ends. And man, if we don't get a new president, I think the world's gonna die on Tuesday. I need to be around somebody that says, God's never left us, he's never forsaken us, he's infinite in his wisdom. Well, I don't see how we're gonna live out of this. I think we're all gonna die. I saw something today that said this. This is off my head, sorry. The CDC says it is now okay to hug your vaccinated loved ones. Let me tell you this. I'm going to hug my vaccinated ones, my unvaccinated ones. I'm going to hug my positive testing ones. And, and so how absurd. I need to be around someone who says, you know what? God's faithful. God's trustworthy. God's wise. He's never left control. He's not out of control right now. Time spent in Christian fellowship Right now, I can get around the 10 wrong people and I might join a motorcycle gang talking about myself. We gotta be around the right people. God is faithful. God is trustworthy. God is kind. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. Other ways we remember who God is. Time spent in God's word. Time spent in Christian fellowship. Here's one I didn't used to believe. The music we listened to. That sounded kind of goofy 15 years ago. But if you listen to enough, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, cheat on your wife and whatever. Go to the bar and go to the bar and cheat on your wife, it's bad, it's bad. You start to think, I don't see how this works out. Even the songs we listen to help us remember who God is. First thing, you're worried about things of life, we remember who God is. Time spent in God's word, time spent in the study of God's word. You'll feel better just leaving this Bible study already tonight. The things we hear, the things we listen to. The second thing is this. So what do you do about that? And this is the part where it gets very, very practical. So then you have to depend 
on God. You have to remember who God is. The next one is this, actually depend on who God is. Not just trust him, but to turn to him and depend on him. There is a very crazy thing that happens in our study tonight because the 24th verse was included. A lot of folks say the 24th verse ends the preceding section. Actually, it's part of the same section. And so a crazy thing happens. We think we should start in verse 25 and say, I say to you, do not be worried about your life. But actually, the key is found in verse 24. Let me read it to you. No one can serve two masters. Hold on a minute, we're talking about worry. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Now, the, the word translation here is going to be very important. You cannot serve God and wealth. The word for wealth here is a, is a Greek word, mammon. Mammon. A lot of folks, a lot of times we say money. You cannot serve God and money. It's actually a lot bigger than just money. It translates wealth. That's a pretty good translation. It translates property. That's a pretty good translation. Here is the most literal translation, and I think it makes the key to the whole Bible study. You cannot serve God and wealth. The most literal translation is the treasure that a person trusts. God is infinitely wise, and this is the word he chose to reveal this, this lesson to us with. The treasure a person trusts. You cannot serve both God and the treasure that a person trusts. Here's, here's the question. Is your trust in your health? Is your trust in your retirement? Is your trust in the sum of your accounts? Is your trust in the right college scholarship? Is your trust in your education or things that you've done in the past? I want you to notice this. The world's system always breeds worry. Do you know why? Because all of those things can be taken away. All of those things can fail. Tomorrow I will preach a funeral for a 54-year-old guy. Your health can be gone like that. You can think you'd be cruising, and you know what? Your health could be gone. Your wealth could be gone. Bitcoin, whatever that means, could fall apart. I don't even know how it wouldn't. Your accounts could be drained. All of these things. The world's system will always produce, will always breed worry. We have to depend on God. Now, what that means is this. God, I see who you are. I see what your word says concerning life. This is the hard part. And so I live accordingly. I walk in obedience. I'm going to depend on God. This is what you say do. It's what I'm going to do. This is who you say you are. I'm going to take you at your word. I'm depending on God. And so the answer to worry is to depend on God. You know what? God, forgive me for where I failed. I have. You know what? I'm going to make decisions that honor him. God, help me in that and then I'm gonna depend upon you. I'm gonna depend upon you. Well, what if I get sick? I'll go out depending on you. What if my accounts get drained? I'll go out depending on you. I'm gonna depend on you. Here's, here's the deal, 
And I, as I was wrapping this up this afternoon, I, I came to this conclusion. Did you know God wants your life to be productive? He wants your life to bring glory to him. He wants your life to be exciting. Did you know that? He wants your life to matter. He wants you to do excellent things with your life, great things with your life. Not be lazy. Man, our world says just get by. Not be empty. Our whole world just says if I could just get back to empty, I would call that a win. And for sure, not to be worried. God wants your life to be exciting. He wants it to matter. He wants it to be productive. He actually wants us to live a passion-filled life, a passionate life. I'm going to tell you a story. I've told it one other time, and you may have heard it before, but it's a true story. When I, when I was a kid, um, there was a guy, and he was, he was working on the road where I grew up, and he was, he was a cowboy, and he was working for a guy that had a bunch of calves out, and his name was Boots O'Neill. And he's working, and I was about an eighth-grade kid, and I had gone down to uh, Chop Cotton one day, and we had a cow that was nuts, and she was out again, and he helped me catch her and loaded up on the trailer, and we took her down dropped her off, and he was giving me a ride back to my pickup. And I remember this. I don't remember much. I don't know him that well, but here's what he said on the ride back to my car as an eighth-grade young guy. He says, I cannot wait to get up in the morning, and I hate to go to bed at night. And that has, that has never left what I heard. I cannot wait to get up in the morning, and I hate to go to bed at night because evidently he's got something to do. He's got something that matters. He's excited, and he's passionate about life. Do you know worry steals that from us? I don't want to get up tomorrow. I don't know what we're going to face tomorrow. I don't know how this is going to end tomorrow. Instead of saying, you know what, I cannot wait to get up and go. I hate to go to bed at night. It makes me sad to go to bed I have things to do. Worry steals that from us. God means us to be productive, excited, passionate, producing people, and worry steals that from us. And then I'm going to tell you the last thing, and this is the saddest thing. Worry steals that from us. Here's the saddest thing. That's sad enough. How do you think it reflects on God when his people are scared to death? Oh, hold a minute. So you are telling me he was put in a grave and he was dead. And he took, he took my price for sin and your price for sin and he bore it to Calvary and he died for sin. They put him in a grave and he walked out and he's alive. And you believe that? Yes, I believe that. But you know what? I'm scared to death. I'm scared and I walk in timidity and fear and worry and I'm consumed. How does it reflect on a powerful, all-knowing, gracious, kind God when his people are consumed in worry? Worst thing, God has a plan for your life, and you know what? He expects us to do great thing. Worry steals that. The worst thing is how it reflects on God. Here's the answer tonight. Remember who God is and trust God. Depend on God. What could he do with a bunch of people that said, you know what? We're just going to depend on God. We're going to trust God. We're going to depend on him. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. Glad you were here tonight. Let me lead us in a word of prayer. Let's pray. During Father, we come and, and we're thankful for you tonight. And we just come and it's, this is personal. This is us and you.
not the folks around us, not those that are looking at us. It's about us and you. And I, I first off ask you to forgive me where I worry and forgive me where I deny the truth of who you are by worrying. And forgive me for the harm that I do to your powerful name by walking around in worry. Forgive us. But then at the same time, Lord, help us remember who you are. Help us to read in your word and remember who you are. Help us to tell each other who you are. Help us to be just so consumed with who you are that we actually depend on you and live in trust. Lord, I pray for folks in this room tonight, and I know how, how real the troubles are, but I pray we would deal differently with the worries of life. Help us point to you. Help us walk in faith. And my prayer is this, that you be glorified in all of it. Lord, I pray for the young folks here tonight. Bless them, encourage them, train them in your word. Pray for the kids that are, have learned tonight as well. Let it be a foundation that's stacked upon that will stand. And then I pray for us as adults here tonight as well. Use us for your name's sake and your glory. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. And I pray in Christ's name, in Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Glad you're here.